Previously on AFTN. I love hate. Yeah, I'm sure you do. everybody and welcome to another episode of There's Still Time, the AFTN Soccer Show, broadcasting on CITR Radio 101.9 FM from the unceded Musqueam Territory at the University of beautiful British Columbia. I am Michael McCall. I'm Steve Funpander. <laughs> I'm Zachary Adam Eisenhower. I often refer to Steve as the Fun Panda. Fun Panda or Fun, fun Pander? Fun Panda. Oh. Steve the Fun Panda Pander. I thought he was saying he's the funnest person in his family or something. Oh, he is. I've met some of his family. <laughs> Your wife's all right. Your kid's the, I still That kid that jammed that thing in my foot. Still not getting That's over that. has been like years. Yeah. Sandy, Sandy is great. I hold grudges. Sandy is great. So, on that fun note, <laughs> let's talk about this special evening we have in store because this is a special episode of the AFT and Soccer Show in a number of reasons. One, it was the season opener at BC Place yesterday. The Mark DeSantos era has begun. But also, this is our show as part of CITR Radio's annual fund drive. To donate some money, you can go online, citr.ca backslash donate. But anyway, let's get on to our show now. Whitecaps, Minnesota, MLS is back. That's what the hashtag said. I hope yet everyone was using that. What do you think of the new team hashtags that's out there? The Whitecaps one's nice, VWFC with a nice little badge. Some of the other ones leave a little bit to be desired. Yeah, I kind of ignored the other one. Yeah. I, I don't know what goes through the heads of some of the front offices, I've got to say. They come up with these kind of fancy slogans and they make no sense. But at least the Whitecaps, plain and simple, VWFC. The MDS era has begun. Sadly, though, it began with a loss. For me, not exactly unexpected, just because of how pre-season went, the late arrival of some of the key personnel. Others online, though, seemed a bit surprised, expected to to beat Minnesota. I actually got a a message from somebody going, if the Whitecaps can't beat Minnesota, I mean, what's up with them? It's like, what hope is there for the season? And I was like... Trying to say, well, I expected this. You do understand that the team is still finding its feet. Yeah, Minnesota weren't great. But were you surprised how vociferous the the people out there thinking it was going to be an immediate miracle one that MDS was going to be waving? No, I agree with that. Uh, I don't think, I don't know, maybe I I don't 
uh, follow the those people on Twitter. Um, the people I follow it, it kind of seem optimistic about it, uh, but I I can understand some people who are you just kind, follow the optimist union. That's maybe fine. that's what it is. But I kind of I I kind of see where they're coming from because people they were kind of pushing that they weren't saying they were going to win. But they said they're going to give effort. They're going to give intensity, and some people maybe took that as the thing they want to win because they said they they don't they want to make BC place very tough to play at. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was tough for the the opening few minutes. Yeah, but it was a, a three two loss in the end. It could easily have been a lot worse because Minnesota they squandered a lot of chances in that second half in front of goal. Minnesota did lead the shot count fifteen to eleven, four from each team on target. Possession was basically 50-50, um, 49 point something to 50 point something. Whitecaps controlled the play for most of the second half, so I mean that was a positive. Caps' passing accuracy was 77% compared to Minnesota's 82%, but a few of us were watching it as the game went on, it just dropped and dropped and dropped, so it was a little bit con- concerning. Before we delve into the, the specifics though, just... General thoughts on the match and how you came away feeling from it. Yeah, it's not, it's hard. Like, you shouldn't be surprised. Like, all the things that, if you were, if you've been following things, like, if you, yeah, there's some people probably showed up expecting a new season, uh, some exciting potential, and, and maybe looked at, only looked at Minnesota from last year and not the things that they've done in the offseason and thought, yeah, they should have won. I, I think, in, uh, I, I think there were some good signs. Um, and I think you, people need to be patient because this is uh, going to be a slow building process, as we've been saying over the course of the preseason. And there's been a, a lack of time for all the the players that they wanted to bring in to get them in and all that kind of stuff. So I I think my my first thought is people just need to be patient. I think overall it's disappointing because. You need to win your home matches in MLS. Yeah, and Minnesota is the kind of team you need to beat because there's, there's teams that you know is going to be in the upper echelons yeah. of the conference and there's teams that's going to be at the bottom or battling for their, their lower playoff spots. Minnesota is one of those teams that might not even be in the playoff mix, so that's the ones you kind of want to take the three points from, but especially at home. You have to have that home fortress. Didn't look like it wasn't all bad. I mean, we're going to do our review of the match. We, we kind of started doing this last season. The good, the bad, and the ugly. On the good side, although even some of these good ones, I've got some caveats w- with these. And We'll look at some of the individual players in part two. But despite the loss, there were some good aspects. The first half of the first half was entertaining. The first quarter. of the First quarter. Yeah. Let's go with that. If we want to go into throwball BC Lions talk. There was a goal. Some dominance in terms of chances created. Minnesota actually controlled the possession in, in that first quarter. There were some fancy tricks. Las Bangura was doing all this fancy footwork and asking to get kicked by putting the ball through the legs of some Minnesota players. Then it kind of all went to shit for the second half of that first half. We allowed Minnesota to get back into it before kind of recovering a little bit at the start of the second half and kind of taking a little bit more control, but ultimately just lacking that killer punch. Yeah. No, I, I think you're, I think it's a fair description, Michael. Like, yeah, it was, when you score that early in a game, it's a, it like, it just, 
it kind of, for me, because I felt like there was going to be this need to be patient, there was this kind of like, oh, okay. Like, there was a bit of like people could breathe a little bit. You know what I mean? There was like, mm-hmm. a, oh, okay. Like, there, we could be okay. Like, things could be okay. The team could be okay, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, it only didn't last, <laughs> it didn't last super long. Eric Godoy got his first start. I thought it was a pretty solid first outing. I, I like the look of him. Big, bulky, scored with his foot as well, which was interesting. It reminded me a little bit of Pamadou Ka with his nice kind of finish. Nicely taken goal. Some good, strong defensive play from him as well. He was unfortunate with the deflection on the yeah. goal. I mean, that could have gone anywhere. He, for me, looks to be one of our defensive keys this year. Yeah. He's not afraid of a sliding tackle, no. which I'm a little bit afraid of him not being afraid of a sliding tackle, just MLS refs. I, I liked what I saw from him. He, for me, Jordi Reyna was probably the, my White Cats man of the match, but Eric Godoy wasn't too far behind for me. You know, I think that's fair. I think he, he's kind of so far shown the, the best of what you kind of stereotypically think of an Argentine defender. Someone who can contribute to to your your attack, to your offense on set plays and whatever, and someone who's just like as hard as nails at the at the back, and uh, so so far it seems good. And I agree with you that was very very unfortunate on the what ended up being the the, the match winning goal. Um, I, at first, I wasn't even a hundred percent sure it took a deflection. I thought Matt Cripo was just really no, badly no, out of position. Yeah. And then I was really pleased to find out it had taken a deflection. Yeah, because if it, if it wasn't a deflection, that would have been a, like a horrible yeah. guess. Or I, was, would... I was surprised they didn't give it as an own goal. I didn't. I haven't seen the the exact angle. No, I, I think that, that if I was a striker, oh I, no, yeah. I would feel I, I just hard ha- done by. I just if haven't. That wasn't. I haven't seen it from an angle yeah. where I, it was. It if, was going to hit the net. No okay, matter okay, what. Yeah, the okay, ball was okay. going to hit the net. It was a matter of like where Kripo was going, the ball was getting yeah, that yeah. way, and mm-hmm. it's, it obviously went the other way. Yeah. As I said, Jordi Reyna, he he looked lively. I don't feel though he's best suited to, to being out in the wing. It the th- kind of feels like it's neutered him a little bit. The thing is, I, I what I what I maybe a question to you guys. I felt like I thought the 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 two wingers were going to play a little bit tighter inside. Mm. I, th- I thought they were going to play yeah. towards the yeah. goal, and it didn't seem like they ever got no. to. No, almost like the inside channel. It was yeah. more actually the two fullbacks that were playing a little bit tighter and inside. They yeah. were playing a very narrow line, and they were they were maybe, getting burned for that. Maybe that was because of the fact that. It was Cornelius on the left side. Possibly, unfortunately. Yeah. Maybe that's the they had made an adjustment. That but way. on the right, so Jordy was on the right side, wasn't he? Well, they switched. Oh yeah, they did, switched yeah. a lot, and yeah. it was kind of hard to kind of tell the difference because they've the got hair? the hair is yeah. like identical. No, they've well, both got a nine in the back of the shirt. Yeah, you, but Jordy has the clean cut now. Well, Lass has the. Well, they've still got. They've got, still got, got his, a little bit, but Lass has got a, his dreads. Nah, I, I would say he's more clean cut than Lass. It's you, a bit pushier, actually. Yeah. So I mean that 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 was the. The good side, if you want to say that that assessment was good. I thought, well, one thing, well, another good thing I thought was, I know there's probably an ugly side that's going to come up for him, but I thought Jake Nowitzki played a good game defensively. Well, M- MDS that's described what, yeah. him as a monster. Yeah, I thought yeah. he played a really solid game on that right side, uh, and and that was one. And I thought the the I thought Arise played pretty well. Uh, I know a lot of people were yeah. begging him for giving away balls. Well, but we're going to look at the players in part two. Okay. So we'll, we'll get into that. But that, yeah, that was the good. So let's look at the bad side now of the white caps. All three goals that were given up were bad. Lazy. Yeah. I would even go as far if we were looking at the good, the lazy, and the ugly. First one. Jake, what lazy is Jake challenge what is by he Jake. Thinking? Ah, 
I like don't such know. poor decision making. It, it's the old fashioned. It's like it's an old joke in in Scotland, and I think I heard one of the commentators today use it in one of the MLS games. So maybe it's just a UK thing. But he got there as fast as he could. No, the the thing is about that is a couple of things. First of all, uh, I felt like Last should have been there to uh, see Calvo's run and been able to like push him yeah. off or, or be give, make no it more difficult. There was no tracking back. Yeah, there was no tracking back there. Talking of lazy. Number two is. I I haven't seen the replay enough, but I I feel like when I saw it, Jake actually had better shot at the ball, and and Calvo knew he had no shot at the ball. He decided to just run through the foot of of Jake, and that's what you're supposed to do to earn the penalty. Yeah. But it was a clear that, that was an experienced player. Yeah, yeah. veterans move to run through Jake's foot, basically. Good, good Costa Rican center back. Yeah, I, who played on the left side? I I mean I'll, I'll we'll cut my this in part two as well. I liked what Calvo brought to Minnesota. He got their second goal, and there was again a lack of hustle, a lack of tracking. He won the ball from a, a poor giveaway again by Bangura, pounced on it right away, set the move up, continued pouring forward, and then a beautiful header to finish. Yeah. And it was a great ball in from from Quintero. But and Quintero's but, penalty was oh yeah that precision. was top notch. Yeah, because yeah, Cripple, if, if, so well if it was if it was a little it. off, he, he would have got to it. Yeah, that. That was an impressive penalty. He was impressive all round, really. Yeah. That that's the one thing that was bad for me is this the clear difference between having a a difference maker in your side mm-hmm. and not like that. Really, I, I mean, there's potential for some of the new Whitecaps to be difference makers, but you saw Minnesota had someone who could win the match for them, and he did. See, the thing is, is uh, for Minnesota, I know a lot of people said, "Oh, if you can't beat Minnesota," I think Minnesota is pretty dangerous. Right now, an uh, well, attack. Yeah, and atta- the defense but, certainly is. But the defense, if like I don't know if there's a left, they actually have a left back who maybe is injured or something like that. No, Calvo is, is the Calvo guy the, that's going to be. Maybe the guy. they sign a left back down the road. And Calvo moves back to center back, and it's a yeah, Calvo get, and Apara. Yeah, I mean, put him to the bench because I've I, the couple times where the Whitecaps really had chances, it was clear Boxall was the one that was yeah. not there to uh, recover or anything. I, I, I was talking to him after the game and. And yeah, he said, yeah, the second goal, the Vancouver scored. That was that's on me. Yeah, I, I didn't squeeze the where I was supposed to. Oh, the first one was on Calvo. He yeah. let yeah. Godoy just yeah. walk right in there. The the third Minnesota goal, it was lazy again. Johnny Rice, and we'll, we'll talk fully about Rice in part two. He he gave the ball away, either because he was too slow at turning, or he didn't get there was a man on shout, but he had two guys on him. But then again, it's just it just so happened so quick. We just seemed so slow to react and. That that is that's a bad thing. That's a worry. I think Steve, did you say when we were coming, we were walking away in here today? It felt like oh no. Okay, I'm gonna uh, I'll plug. It's a former uh, journalist that uh, tw- uh, tweeted oh, it out okay. yesterday, Mark Weaver. It was he said basically, and I I, I kind of th- this summed it up basically. It was uh, uh, an expansion team that played its first preseason game. <laughs> because they have finally I had for, everybody yeah. together. Right? I forgot about the lame expansion that, team excuse thing. Yeah, the other part. Well, of the players are starting to use that now because Rusty's used it a couple of times. I, th- I think they're being encouraged to use that. Probably. <laughs> and another bad thing for me was the complete lack of service from Intero. Well, one thing. Sorry, I'm going to go back to the expansion thing. They didn't start using it until we, other people outside the no. organization started using it. I felt. Oh no, yeah. No, no. Because no. people. I, were, I heard. I, it, I know. I heard. I heard a lot of people saying it in December. And January, early January, when the, before they even started pushing some stuff out, this is like we an made expansion some jokes team. about yeah, it. Yeah, we made it too. So uh, I've heard, I've heard it from mm. people close to. 
But yeah, another bad thing, the lack of service to Montero. We'll talk about the chemistry aspect of the well, team in you the next part. You didn't count those, like... The long balls. <laughs> yeah, it was like... It's like, like back in Robo Ball times. Yeah, MDS was not happy about that no, at halftime. No, he was time. not. Hopefully it, it starts to click soon. But the lack of offensive output in this match, in pre-season, it's concerning. And you can talk about chemistry all you want. It was another two goals from defenders. Yeah. The two in pre-season were from defenders. There's a lot of huff. Very little puff. It has to change soon. For sure. Quickly getting on to the ugly side. Defending on the left side. Now, Derek Cornelius isn't a left back, so he can get some slack cut, I feel. Never, I don't think he's ever played left back, possibly. Defending in general, though, on that left side was horrific at times. There was times Henry was the guy that was in the left back position in the first half. Uh, only he's, he's bad enough at right back. You know, no, no. get over to the left. No, no, thing. no. He came over to cover for Cornelius because yeah. Cornelius wasn't going to be able to get there. So he was actually that's out what there. I, that's what it, I'm meaning because yeah. Cornelius was so out of position okay, that you had so, Henry in that okay, position. So obviously Levi, I talked to Levi on Friday. He's out for a few weeks or whatever. Yeah, I spoke to him yesterday. He said he's doing good. Yeah. It's not as bad as first thought. But still, it's going to be a couple of weeks. Yeah. So what? What was? Why was that decision made? What? Why was it? Well, PC took a knock oh, and didn't, tra- didn't train on Tuesday or Wednesday. Oh, okay. He was back training on Friday. Yeah, I saw him on Friday and he looked fine. I think they probably thought it was too big a risk. I would have gone without risk. Okay. And then if it... If it so if it hadn't been for that, he would have been there. Yeah, okay. PC okay. would have been the guy starting. I just thought, were they trying to think we need someone more defensive and no, stay at I, home? No, I, I would have gone with PC from the start and just taken that as a, as a risk. And if he if he failed after 30 minutes. But then the other side of that is you're, you're thinking long term. Yeah. You don't want to come, get, get an injury, yeah. and then he's out for no, weeks. It's fair. So, no, it's fair. It's, it's a fair yeah. reason. And the thing is, if you put Cornelius in at left back after 30 minutes, that could have even been more disastrous yeah. if you think of it. Because he would have been cold coming off the bench. But the, other, the other ugly thing about the left defending was Reina and Bangura kept switching. None, Neither of them was tracking back. We saw it in the goals. It was both of them. It's like they didn't have their defensive game on. And if we're playing a 4-3-3 high press, yeah. they have yeah. to get back. Was there much high press? There was none. Yeah. And but, but and that's okay because yeah. I think MDS has talked about how they're still figuring yeah. things out. Well, he won't put up with that either. If they're no. not putting well, in defensive He, he shifts, wanted, he wanted more uh, press up front. The problem is I, th- I have a feeling that maybe he realized that like you said that you didn't think they were going to play uh, Montero and Mbom were going to play 75 minutes. Or they were going to play 75 minutes the max. Yeah, that seemed to be the, the plan. And, and then and then they ended up playing a full 90. Maybe they realized that they were going to have to play, so they kind of backed off on doing that. Maybe. maybe. But you can't have two players on who are passengers. <laughs> like, no. Like, that, that's exactly yeah. what they were. The, the last couple of ugly things. Clumsy tackles. We talked about Norwinski's on the penalty. Cornelius picked up a booking for a clumsy challenge as well. And that, that was a deserved booking because he left his leg out. And that, but that, yeah, I think that for me that felt a little bit of like a positional thing, like you know, yeah. being at the left back spot but and having to giveaways as well was certainly not ideal. Oh, the game? Oh, yeah. We, I know he wasn't the only one, but for me it stood out a little bit when Joaquin came on that he had multiple like heavy touches where you you felt like he was just not in 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 uh, great form, yeah. not in you know match fit kind of thing. So that's, that's our thoughts on Whitecaps Minnesota. In part two, we're going to hear a little bit from both head coaches and we're going to look at some individual players after this. Hi, I'm Mark Dos Santos and you're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show. 
say things can only get better You have lost your brand new sweater I know I had it on when I had my tea And I saw I had it on in the laboratory Oh no Dancing in the disco Go, go, go Dancing in the disco Oh no, oh no Dancing in the disco Bum, bum, to bum, Wait a minute Where's me jumper? 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 It's alright to say things can only get better You have lost your brand new sweater Pure new wool and perfect stitches Not the type of jumper that makes you itches Oh no Where's me jumper? Sultans of Ping FC the very first band we played on Wavelength section here on CITR Radio when we played their classic seminal Give Him a Ball on a Yard of Grass. We featured them several times in Wavelength. No More Plastic Pitches, I'm In Love With a Soccer Hooligan. Ah, great songs by them. But they have non-football songs as well. One of them is Where's My Jumper? And that is why, for March, Sultans of Ping... Sounds of Ping FC, as they were first known, are our Artists of the Month. So you're going to hear them all month long. Excellent. Steve's excited by that. I wonder if Robbo's jumpers are missing the match day exposure. Do you think they're kind of hanging up in his closet going, We used to be someone. We were seen on TV across the world. Oh, they'll be on the TV eventually. Mm. Beside our good friend, KJ and... Oh, possibly, or, or on the sideline. Yeah. Actually, talking of, of Stephen Caldwell and KJ... Do we have to? Yeah, next week's Sultans of Ping song is especially for Stephen Caldwell. I'll just leave it there. But you are listening to the AFT and Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM. This week's show, part of CITR's Fun Drive. How do we donate? Donating online is probably where most of you listening to this are going to do it because most folk will be listening to this on the podcast. CITR.ca slash donate. Yes. Anyway, let's get back to the football chat. So you got our thoughts there in part one as to, to what we thought of the Minnesota match. Let's hear now from both head coaches. We're going to hear first from Minnesota's Adrian Heath and then MDS. Great throw, You need to stay up out the streets if you can't take the heat. Coach, it didn't obviously start out well, but you guys chipped away and chipped away and you got back into the game. Are you satisfied with the performance today? Well after the after the first goal I thought we were outstanding the first half. I thought we dictated the the tempo of the game I thought we dictated the play we looked them more likely to score um, so to come back to get it to 3-1 after you've gone down so early shows a lot of character but as I said before the game this is a different group than we've had before you know these haven't got any baggage from the last couple of years of going on the road and losing games and not being able to dig themselves out of bad situations this is a different group and I, I said that before the game and um I thought some of our, our play at times on the counter-attack was outstanding. And with a little bit of better finishing, we could have killed the game off before we did. Ike well, uh, was obviously one of your later additions. Yeah. How important? How long will it take? How important he is to get the chemistry going? On well, I, I think if you look at Ramayan at right-back, Ike, um, and then you look at the two we've added in midfield, 
you know we, we've we're just a lot stronger all round you know leaders people who've who've won in this division people who know what it's like to win know what it's like to go on the road and dig in so you know I know one or two people thought we paid a lot of money for Ike I actually thought we got him cheap because that's how important he's going to be for us we're going to be asking you a lot this, a lot this year but uh, just Darwin's influence on the game on all three goals really well you know as I always say that's why they get paid the most money and that's why you pay the most money for him scoring and making goals is the oddest thing in football and uh, you know he's been involved in all of them again today so uh, it's a good start for him as well I know you, you said these guys don't hold the same baggage as previous seasons last year it took you to yeah. the fifth game to get that win yeah. how important is to get that first win right well off I, I said before the game just just not getting beat on the road was going to be big for us today because I know that the same questions would have been asked if we hadn't done and after the first goal I'm, I'm sure there would have been one or two people back home go oh here we go again but no it's not here we go again as I've said this is not the same group as we've had before strong start to the game Mark but uh, tough finish um, yeah but the, the strong start to the game um, the, the goal we scored kind of um, um, it was kind of a hidden moment. Uh, what I mean by that, it was it was good to start like that. We scored, but then we 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 were never able to take a grip of the first half. Um, they uh, our decision making in possession. Sometimes we rush too much. Uh, maybe anxiety. A lot of guys waiting for this game, and it became like a game that is is not about us. So the first half, I. Even if it was one nothing for us, I don't. I don't feel that it was about us. Um, then the second half, we were able to connect more passes in possession, be more on the opponent's half, um, be more aggressive in our kind of movements, and they scored the two one in a moment that were were better in the game. Um, what What's more disappointed about the result? Uh, for me, it's the, the the kind of goals we gave away. Uh, the the 2-1 and the 3-1 are kind of sloppy, uh, and I think we could do a much better job there. Then we, we scored the 3-2. We react, we push. Everybody was very committed until the end, uh, but a little bit too late. Yeah, we, we watched sort of the statistics throughout the match. We saw the passing accuracy drop. Um, throughout the 90 minutes. How much do you think is that due to chemistry or is that, is that maybe because of uh, uh, Decision making, decision making. I'll give you an example. I already know when I'm going to watch the video of the game that there's a lot of moments uh, that we have possession and suddenly we take the decision that to try to go over the top looking for Freddie between Boxall and Opara. That that's bad decision making, uh, and we know we know that, um, and we just think that if we're a little bit uh, cleaner in those moments, then we'll have players like Felipe, John, uh, Inbom more in the opponent's half, and that's where you could originate more offense. Uh, and and there today we could have done a, good, a better job. I think I I, I don't want to excuse with chemistry. I don't want us to talk too much about that because we know it's a real thing. Um, I want to focus on the soccer part. Sometimes uh, we speak a lot in North America in things that are general and not enough about the soccer part. The soccer part was that we had spaces to play sometimes. 
and instead, uh, uh, instead of connecting short passes that the options were on, we decided to go sometimes over the top, especially in the first half, and that disconnected our game. The Gaffers. Ah, it's great to play that song again. No one's asked Mark DeSanto if, if he likes being called the Gaffer because Craig Dalrymple didn't. I think. Oh, Craig Dalrymple. Yeah, yeah. yeah I can't well, remember. Why didn't he again? What was? He just he doesn't like that that phrase. I don't know. <laughs> now, the intro song, Lil Yachty, Minnesota. The coach is there. I I liked a lot of what Mark DeSanto said after the game. He's been mentioning specifics of what's annoyed him. What players did well, what players didn't do well, and what what players didn't do what he was expecting them to do. He isn't protecting the players from criticism the same way that kind of Robbo did, where Robbo always took the blame for everything himself. And he, I mean, he, he told us he wouldn't criticise players publicly because then you lose them in the locker room. But if you've done something wrong as a player and your coach criticises you for it publicly, and you can't take that, then you kind of have to question, do you have the mental side for the modern game? And if you're really going to throw that big a, a hissy fit at being criticised for playing crap, do I even want you on the team? And the thing is, and the thing is, most people know, can tell, who who made the mistakes. Yes. Yeah. There is an obvious yeah. thing. So, so, so when you cover up and say, oh, it's all on me and stuff, then that was never, but that was never a cover up. That oh no! But you've been a little bit disingenuous because folk know, like MDS is not going to sit there and go, "Yeah, the long balls. That's yep. That's that's on me. I didn't get them to to play properly." He's drilled in what they wanted him to do. They just did not do it. But at the same at the same time, the buck does stop with the coach. Well, it does for better or for worse. I guess he can only shout so many things in so many different languages at one time. <laughs> That's what makes it a little bit difficult. But, I mean, he was highly critical of the long ball. I I don't mind the long ball game. I've talked about this before. But when you've been focusing so much on a passing game, little triangles, like groups of four defending and moving the ball around, but then you get into an actual game and the, all the team is doing is, like, punting it up, that's not... Not and the, look at the, the th- look at the personnel. Yeah, it's, and the thing is, he would, uh, he, the problem, the reason why he didn't like the long ball and those in the first half especially was because he felt like they rushed in possession. They were too rushed. They want he wanted to slow them down and take it easy instead of trying to get the you know the goal right away. Yeah. and also that it felt like he, if you're going to play the long ball, try to play to Montero's feet instead of playing to his head because he, he's yeah. better at that, right? I, I also liked him saying that you can't just blame this on a lack of chemistry. It was basically people not playing to the process that he's wanting. And, and this is one of the things about about Mark DeSantos is he's not the kind of coach who's like, okay, we're going to go out there and you're going to have some freedom over here and in this part, like, he is very much, this is how I want my team to yeah. play. This is what the runs need to be. This is what the passing needs to look like. And this is why some players in the past, it is, that's rubbed them the wrong way. Yeah. Right? So it's, it is, yeah. as he players says. players are snowflakes too much these days, and they can't take being criticized. 
but, well, it's not criticized, but they don't. They want to be have more freedom. Get, like, well, they do have the freedom. Get Nick in the, on the phone and ask him about this. The, they, they do have the freedom in the last uh, third. Yes, because he says they, there they can do whatever they want. That the the essentially as I said in part one, if players ignore what he's asking them to do, whether it's tracking back defensively, playing the ball to feet, they are not going to be in this team. They're not going to be starters, so they have to keep that in mind. He, he's clearly not going to be happy with a lot of what he saw. How patient will he be? How patient will the fans be? Is there a lot of patience going around in Vancouver right now? I, I didn't take a, the uh, greatest pulse check on social media yesterday. I think probably I think, for the best. Yeah. If you wanted to be upbeat, <laughs> no, but like that's that's the thing. Like there, there are reasons why I think you can you can have concerns, but I don't think they're. I think there is also the be patient. The, the They have not had enough. To, you could say it's not right that they're not ready, but it feels like they're not ready to fully implement things the way they want to. Like, uh, you know, there's bigger there's bigger concerns, like I said before, about not having a difference maker. You, you want to be, if you want to address, if you want to raise concerns, they're okay. Tell us how much, like actually how much of the, of the Alfonso Davies transfer money has been spent on these players. You know, th- those are the kind of things you can, I think, at this point, are still fair to question. But in terms of the the results for the for the first team, no, I think y- you need to be you need to be patient. So, like, it- it's crazy if you're if you're losing your mind over that game. Yeah, which a lot of folks seem to do. Taking a little quick look at the vi- visitors, we we don't really know what Minnesota is going to be like yet, so we don't know. Was this a really bad result for the Whitecaps, or was it not too bad because Minnesota is going to be a, a team that's challenging? They have given up about seventy goals in each of the first two seasons, and yeah. some of the defending on display on Saturday doesn't really make you feel that that's going to change that much. The thing is, the preseason they didn't let very many goals no. in. That, that's what the surprise. But the, part the for marking them on the two goals, like the first one, the marking on Godoy, he should not be allowed to just ghost in with nobody on. On the, go- Either the other side, side of him, merely goal side or other side. And the marking for Henry's goal as well was alarming if, and, if you're a Minnesota fan. And there were two people on mark there. Ardaiz yes, was, 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 was uh, totally unmarked as well. Mentioned in part one, I thought Francisco Calvo was excellent. So was Darwin Quintero. Quintero got man of the match on whoscored.com. He got a 9.1 rating. Beautiful penalty we talked about. Two assists. He assisted on both the, the goals. Players like him, I mean, you mentioned it in part one, that's the kind of difference making you kind of wish the Whitecaps had. But players like him, strikers like him, they can have a field day with the Whitecaps high press this season if we're not executing it and if we're not fully prepared for it. And I asked MDS on Friday, were they prepared for, Monter- for, for Quintero? And he said, yep, we've talked about it. We know exactly what you can do and what to watch out for. It's okay knowing that it's actually executing it and stopping him. Yeah, no, he he's he he was the match winner. He 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 won the match. Uh, statistically, you know, a goal and two assists. He he's the reason why Minnesota got the three points. Uh, all their all his, all his teammates, all the all the their supporters, they they should be thanking him for the three points. Yeah, they should be. That was our first look at Mark DeSantos's new system. Four three three high press. Didn't see a lot of the high press, but that's what he's wanting. That's his his new squad attacking formation. 
very much still a work in progress. But I tell you what that does do. That brings us nicely to this episode's wavelength song. So early. I know. It just fitted in perfectly. If you're a first-time listener, Wavelength is our section of the show where we play a song about football by proper bands singing about football. This is a band we've featured before on Wavelength. Welsh band Helen Love. This is from 2007 from their album It's My Club and I'll Play What I Want To. This is simply called New Squad Attacking Formation. On this beautiful, hot summer day, what we all need right now, every boy and every girl, is a new attacking squad formation. Squad set! Squad set, you bet. You know what you need to do. 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 You know what you need to do.
Hell in Love there from 2007, New Squad Attacking Formation. I like to think I've got a song for every occasion, especially Wavelength songs. I think that's a... That was very fitting. It's as if it was written for MDS. Was this Hell in Love and more Heaven in Love? But that is pretty much it for part two. We'll be back in part three with a little bit more chat about Whitecaps Minnesota and a look at some individual players. Hi, I'm Maxim Kripo from the Vancouver Whitecaps and you're listening to the EFTN Show. Turned out nice again. That was George Formby. Okay. Or a, a remix of George Formby by a group called Two in a Tent. Okay, and who's George Formby? George Formby, he was massive in the 30s and 40s in the UK. Zach would have loved him. He was full of innuendo. He got banned by the BBC for some of his songs. You, you mean you would have loved him? I would have loved him. You'd have loved him. For one of his songs, uh, With My Little Stick of Blackpool Rock which, of course, could have been about the sweet yeah. stick of Blackpool Rock. But he was talking about how he had it in his trousers and it was yeah. it was long and sticky. Things like that. Yeah. I don't know how people got that the other way. No, oh, I mean, it's, it's, just a, it's just a candy. But the reason we're playing that is it's to mark the anniversary of George Formby's death. He died on March 6th on Tuesday in 1961. He would have been 119 if he was still alive. Yeah, and, uh, and another anniversary of a death that I would like to mention today, a Canadian, a great Canadian, John Candy. 25, yes, I 20, saw that on 25, Twitter. Yeah, 25 years today. I love John Candy. Check out... Uh, Talking of candy. Yeah. If, you haven't, if you haven't seen it, you want to see like a little uh, tribute, uh, Ryan Reynolds posted a nice tribute on his Twitter. Oh. Uh, obviously, he's been in works for a bit, but it was really nice. Favorite John Candy film? Ooh, I wouldn't say planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah, he was so good in that. Just that one twist at the end. Just that once, yeah. That 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 that, that was heartwarming. Yeah, oh, I know that, that brings tears to your eyes. And, but the the one scene in the bed, uh, oh. where's your hand in between two yeah. pillows? That's not That's two not pillows. pillows. <laughs> What's the, oh the great outdoors? Great outdoors mm. is good. Uncle Buck's a, a good one as well. I didn't love. I didn't love that. No. I like his. His yeah. small, his small How can you forget role. Cool Runnings, though? In, in oh, a, yes. Yeah. In a Home Alone. Home Alone. Oh, yeah. He, has a little he was the polka, polka yeah. king. <laughs> Do you know, I don't think I've ever seen Home Alone. Oh, what? <laughs> Are you kidding me? Oh, you've never heard of George Formby. Yes, and who? And he doesn't like kids. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we got to get you. I'll let you borrow it. You can watch it. So we're going to continue the, the Whitecaps Minnesota chat just for a, a little bit longer because I, I want to look at some of the... The individual players that we've either not mentioned or just covered sort of a, a little bit briefly. Max Cripo, we learned on Friday at training that he was getting the start, which I was a little bit surprised by because McMath had started the, the last game in LAFC and yeah. he kind of felt he'd had a couple of good saves. 
Well, he felt it was maybe going to be him. Well, I heard that the one of the reasons possibly was because he just recently ha- had a, a kid born. Speaking of kids. He did look tired as he went off the pitch. We were talking about that on Yeah, Friday. so maybe he, they, they just felt he didn't get enough sleep, so they thought they'd go with Cripple as a, huh. a fresher guy. I thought maybe because Cripple was a little bit better with the ball at his feet that he they maybe went with that. He gave up w- three goals. Which you saw in the preseason. Yes. Yeah. Gave up three goals. Very little chance on any of the goals. No. Only one save registered. I, I mean, yeah, he couldn't do anything with the first two. Maybe the third one, he could have but been it, positioned. No, but, a bit again, the, the, but again, but again, that was a deflection. Yeah, he was. He's leaning for where the the shot is going, and the defender deflects it back the other way. It's like, how can you expect someone to get to that? Leaning on a lamppost. But that's, that's another a, one of George Formby songs. But that's the other thing too about that that the leaning, uh, like him leaning that way. I think with the more chemistry and more, um, uh, you know, playing together and everything. Maybe he would have trusted Godoy to be able to cover that area, so mm-hmm. he should have maybe covered that. So maybe you do have a point, the positioning. He Maybe he shouldn't have moved that way. Maybe he should have stayed in his spot. Could have stayed at his near post. But he's played with he's played with Godoy, what, seven days? I know, that's he, what I'm saying. With, okay. Maybe with more time, okay. they'll get uh, figuring out, they'll trust each other more and everything. So maybe that's it will happen down the road. The, there were times in the first half, though, I felt was, he was kind of scrambling a little bit as the crosses came over. Maybe he's just a scrambly goalkeeper. Maybe. Because we haven't seen a lot. Yeah. Him, so we don't really know what it's like. But a- any concerns for him moving into game two? Is he your starter next week? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think you go with him for the next level, but now that you named him the first game starter. I think, too, it will uh, Monday or Tuesday, I think, is the, the day that the squad for the 24th will... will, will yeah, I think March 4th is when it's getting yeah, announced. So yeah. it's Monday, yeah. yeah. So I hope he's going to be in that. And I don't know if that'll impact his... I don't think they they have the week off that week. Yeah, we had a nice brief chat with him at training on yeah. Friday. Didn't give away he was starting. No, yeah, good, I even... Good, good poker player. You saw, right? And I, I winked at him, like... Yeah. <laughs> and he was like, he was having none of it. <laughs> I was like, just... Doesn't, doesn't just, know you that well yet. Just give us a sign. <laughs> Talking of Canadian defenders then, Daniel Henry. He seemed really pissed off after the game. I think he wanted to win the game. He, he stayed out on the pitch for a long time. How were the walls in the locker room? How's his hand? We should need to check his hand. Did you- but he scored for the right team in this game. Yes. So first that's, goal. That's a plus first point. goal as a white cap. Yep. He uh he was he was um going in very uh tenaciously into his yes, tackles. He was. <laughs> There's a couple the of pictures from AFTN photographer Tom Awaziak of some sliding yeah, tackles yeah. that I'm looking at those photos going Wow, slight missed time in that and that's a red card waiting to happen. Yeah, but he didn't. Concerned. But he, he didn't. Well, but he yeah. made it. So he it's like, yep. If my if my auntie had balls, she'd be my uncle and all yeah. that kind of stuff. He did not do that. I thought it was the queen had balls. It can be anyone. Oh, okay. Anyone can have balls, Steve. I still have my doubts over Daniel. You don't think him and Godoy is the best right now? Yeah. If you're going to go with four at the back, yeah, I, I think it, it has to be those two. Yeah, and it's his spot to lose. So I think I think make me eat my words, Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. All the thing is, you had really, uh, it's been a roller coaster of a ride with you and Daniel. Yeah. And I think uh, hopefully. It I, I like talking to, to him. Yeah. He's, he's fun to talk to. I think you want him to be upset that they lost. Yes. And, and you're happy for hopefully his confidence with the goal. Yeah. I mean, that that should give him a big, big boost for, for his confidence. Someone whose performance maybe wasn't a big confidence booster, though, Felipe. I just. I felt he was posted missing for so much of that match. Is he cut out for that system? It seemed like tailor-made for him. 
But then you you see him in it, and is it just that he just couldn't get going because the attack didn't get going, or is it because Minnesota did so well marking him that he, that he couldn't get going? Is, is it because they wanted to play through in bomb more? Maybe. I mean, was Maybe it just, just me? I mean, did, did you guys notice it, him much? I, I didn't notice him at I've, all. I've, I've heard a number of people say they didn't feel he played well, but I wonder how much now he's kind of in the middle because you have Arise, who is the six, is the holding the midfielder who's different than the midfielder he's played in the past because Arise can distribute, and that was yeah. one of the things I liked about him that we'll talk about in a minute. But uh, then you have uh, Inbaum, who's expected to kind of be uh, – to provide the, the dynamic – attacking presence in the center of midfield and now he's kind of between those two whereas I think we've talked about in the past he's probably better when he's pushed forward more and given more license to be that kind of attacking exactly and I think he plays more of a team game whereas yesterday because of the lack of and we're going to say it again lack of chemistry that maybe Erese and uh, Embalmed uh, were uh, playing more of an individual thing where they're trying to make something yeah. happen instead of like letting it flow. I know uh, those two guys had good games and they really impressed and they were flashes, but well, I mean, it's early days as well. Yeah. And if you look at who could come in, you, you've got Russell Tiber, you've got Andy Rose, and I'm not sure that either of them fill that role better than Felipe. But anyway, but the thing is with Russell, could he be the guy that goes in there and he kind of uh, kind of be, be the destroyer who plays around the middle and uh, it frees up. Uh, the other two guys to move the ball up the field. He could. He's got this left ankle sprain or yeah. whatever yeah. that he's still recovering but he, from. He was, he was out doing sprints on Friday. Yeah. He, no, I, but I talked to him on Friday. Yeah. I said, he said, the coach could select me, but he probably won't for at least a week. Sprints are straightforward. When you're playing on the field, he, it's like no, he was pivot. Yeah, he on was also pitch, on the yeah. ball. He was yeah. in the, the, the game yeah. and stuff. Let's talk about Inbum now. MDS said afterwards that he was cramping up a little, but he didn't want to come off. We thought he would maybe get go 70, 75 minutes. He got a 6.7 rating on, on who scored, one of the higher white caps. 75% pass accuracy, three shots, one of them on target. He seemed keen to get involved. I was a bit concerned he might get pushed off the ball a little bit too easy in a physical league like MLS. Those fears were dispelled. Yeah, he yeah. was hard to get off that ball. Very impressed with my first proper look at him. And the one of the shots, the one that went off target because it was deflected that was a strong shot from that that side that was close yeah if that wasn't deflected I think it was in and that's the I think it's like a hands down thing he is the player that people most want to come and see now yeah like the people that are most excited about because like they know Jordi Reyna they know kind of what to expect uh, and there can be great moments but I think in terms of people who are going to be interested just to come to see a player or need something to be excited about other than just the football and whatever, this is the player, as of right now, who will draw them in. I was actually kind of surprised that he got the start as well. Yeah. Just because I thought they would try and ease Inbum gently. And, and even the way they uh, trained on Friday, they didn't fully let it know because they had they had, uh, they had had PC with the fullbacks, but they had four, yeah. four central midfielders kind of working and rotating yeah. in and out. So it was not, you couldn't sit there and be like, oh, for sure, 100%, this is the lineup. So yeah, I too was a little bit surprised. He had a, he had a couple of giveaways, but I think mo- most of the players did. Somebody that didn't, well, someone else that did have a few giveaways and was kind of criticized a little bit. He was a bit of a Marmite player for some, Johnny Risi. I thought he was 
really good. And when I got home and I saw JJ Adams tweet talking about how there'd been a lot of criticism out there of him and stuff like that, I was like, really? But the who scored rating only gave him a 5.55. He was the second worst white cap. But that's because of the giveaway that led to the, the winning yeah. goal, right? But a lot of people felt he was fouled on that play. I, oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. He did get a lot new, of criticism. New to MLS. Huh? New to MLS. Yeah. yeah. In La Liga, that's... Yeah. He got a lot of criticism for being maybe slow at turning, for taking too long in the ball. This, this one, see, this one I searched on Twitter. I actually searched his, his, the last name to see if there were... I didn't see very many negative tweets. I didn't maybe, either maybe it was during the, I tried to maybe, look. Maybe it was during the match, and maybe. that's maybe... Because I, I didn't go for that far back, but... I, there is something to be said about... I was talking about this after the game with some, some uh, friends from Curva Collective. There is something to be said about the pace of the games. Because La Liga is not a... Uh, not a Premier League pace. It's not a Bundesliga pace league. It, it's more like a little bit like Italy, where it's yes. slower kind of build. Up. Uh, that that third goal, I think, was a big eye opener for him because you haven't got the, the luxury of totally. having time on the, the, the ball. The athleticism like that. of MLS includes teams playing like a lot of North American sports, where it's yeah. back and forth, high high tempo. Well, Minnesota played the game that you thought the Whitecaps were going to play, like really keen and closing down players when they had the ball. And I think Arisi got caught out in that. He, he did have a couple... One of the things I noticed, because I didn't get to see the whole game live, obviously, but uh, he some of his distribution was impressive to me. I like, thought so too. Like where he just gets it in the ball, gets it from the left side, controls the inside of his right, and just on a, like, without a thought, switches and, like, swivels his body. Beautiful cross to the... Uh, to the to Jake, oh, I think it was Jake. Oh, there was the right winger who, yeah. was, just like seem, seamless. You know, like yeah. there's a few moments like that I, that you're, I thought were great. I could watch him spray his balls all day when he's 82 percent passing accuracy, two key dispossessions. That's one. The I think that's possibly down. what shaded a lot of fans' view. I do wonder though, if like like he's in the thick of everything, and obviously everything is going to go through him. I saw him register 116 touches which was the second highest ever in the MLS era by a white cap. I do wonder if, because he's involved so much, folk are thinking he's, he should be more like Pedro Morales, and they're thinking of him more as an attacking midfielder than a defensive one. Well, it, it, honestly, it doesn't matter what people think. Yeah. It's what, it, I mean, we talked about this in, in the, the lead-up last week. He is, he is, yeah, he is the the player who they're going to be looking to to play to play yeah. through. I and mean, when we sat through the chalk talk with MDS, yeah. a lot of focus on Arisi. Totally. And so, if you can shut him down, like if you're right now, if you're scouting the Whitecaps, that's one of the things you have to focus on. Who is going to stop him from distributing or stop them from finding him? Yeah. So we touched a little bit on Las Bangura yeah, early in earlier. the show. Great first fifteen minutes from him. He did those little tricks. He He's going to be an exciting player. He had that one change of speed where he kind of slowed down and then sped up and got by the defender. Couldn't get by uh, the cross through, though. He, he's he got a lot in his locker. Yeah. I think, though, he's going to be equally exciting and equally frustrating as hell to watch over the course of this season. It's, he disappeared from that game. He did not track back well. He got the worst rating of the team on who scored a 5.16. It's... A lot of the comments, I, I spoke to somebody in Spain that covered his team there, and he said, hey, he's, he's inconsistent, yeah. often in the same game. Totally, yeah. I think we saw that in game one, and 
I think once Venuto is yeah. up and running, Venuto's going to be he's the a, starter. He's definitely a placeholder for yeah. Venuto to start. I, I Bringing Bangura on oh, as off a your sub bench. Yes, that could be very to produce those kind of first fifteen minutes and the last fifteen minutes. Now that yeah. is he, a whole different. Even thing. in the Hawaii games, like uh, some people are like, oh, 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 it's you. But you could. I don't know. I, only, I already had a sense there that yeah, he's going to be. F- uh, yeah, they're flashes. Yeah, they're yeah. going to be flashes. Yeah, he's one of those guys in a highlight, four, three, four minute highlight yeah. thing. It's like you'll be like, oh man, he's yeah. fantastic. But yeah, no, no, that is not to say that he can't contribute to the to the squad no. this year. But no, I don't think he. he if he's a starter <laughs> throughout the year, then that's a problem. It was good to see jo- Joaquin Ardiez. I've been practicing that. He got the run out. I think he's going to be one of my favourite players this year. I like Anecta too. Yeah. He he looks a dirty bastard <laughs> that can get the job done, and I like that in a player. But yeah. I, th- I he looked he looked the part too when he was playing oh, yeah. out front. He was really running with the centre backs. I think he could provide a lot. Up Him there. and Johnny Russell could be my dreams teams this year. Except for the fact that, like I said earlier, his touch at moment like there's two or three times mm. where his first touch. Do you blame the turf in that? Cause he wasn't used to it, or. No, it's his t- his touch where it went like two or three yards off his foot. We have seen that with a few strikers before. Yeah, Eric Hurtado well, has won. And it was, I think he probably doesn't play on turf regularly, so I, th- I think you have to but, give him a little bit. Of no, time. but your 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 touch doesn't no. have to be a, no. not, shouldn't be impacted by the surface. Oh, really? I, his his height. It's going to be good. Oh man, that was the that was the thing about training on Friday. With, uh, I think it might have been before you got there. They did um, a number of uh, corners and set pieces. Oh, man. I know lots of people said this already, but they are small side. Yeah. They they need someone like him. If, if you listen to our latest extra podcast, I joked with Russell Tybert as he started to scrum about, you must feel one of the tallest players on the team. Rusty's not big, but he, yeah. Venuto, is tiny. Yeah. Is, not to chair tiny, but. Well, I don't know. When you no. see him, I, I can't remember. He was standing beside a couple of players on Friday, and you're just looking at him going, man, he's short. Yeah. But Venuto, we didn't get a big look at him, but I'm excited to see what he might bring to this team as well. Yeah. RSL comes up next. They drew 1-0 at Houston, and in the next part, we're going to kind of do our MLS Weekend Review. What are you expecting from that? More of the same? Do you see maybe Cornelius move out and PC go in? But that aside, do you see it? being a set team or are, is MDS going to be a tinker man? I see it being a game in the snow with three at the back. <laughs> no. um <laughs> Don't joke about that. <laughs> that is a very realistic possibility. Yeah, no. I Yeah, I, I could see him changing things up, but I think more likely he will, he would stay with the, the formation and shape and because it, it's obviously still heavily a work in progress. Yeah. So personnel though, y- yes, there will be... You have to think that PC will be at left back, or if some other suitable <laughs> help is brought yeah, in. Yeah, who week. knows? Yeah, so uh, I that, keep hearing about a Moroccan. Right, he'd be mint. Um, so I think I think someone else at left back, and then I think you could see Venudo in place of Bengura. And oh, it also yeah. uh, any other changes would depend on how the how they reacted to the first game. How like especially a guy like Hoang who who. Maybe it wasn't ready for that ninety minutes, so we'll see how he is during the oh, week. Oh yeah, they could they could hold him back with gaming. Like a, it could be pretty cold up there and there mm. down there in RSL at their altitude. Were you surprised the roof was closed? It was a lovely day out there. 
I Although think, in saying that, I went to a VMSL game afterwards and I was absolutely frozen. Yeah, so I think that they did it mostly for the cold. Yeah, probably for the I lost the films in my fingers filming it. Great game though, 4-3. Anyway, one other thing I want to talk about. This was a, a bit of a big discussion on, on Twitter today. When we arrived at training on Friday, we oh, saw yeah. all the pyro set up yeah. and they, they were testing it. There was lights, there was smoke. And I, I like a bit of that. It's better than a big flag getting waved. But some of the big pillars that they have are right behind the goal and it's blocking the view well, they, off the net they added, for fans. They added to them, right? Yeah, they because it was a see-through wire thing, yeah. but now they seem to have put a they barrier put, on it. They put branding on it. I can't remember. It was Peter Errington on Twitter tweeted out a photo from his seat. Yeah, I saw And the ball's right in the middle of the goal and you can't see the goalkeeper behind it. Now, I don't care about creating a, a false atmosphere and stuff by these kind of things. If you're blocking punters' views that's paid money for a ticket and you're not advertising that it's a restricted seat, that is not on. <clears throat> I agree with you in the sense of if it, if it was a flag, I wouldn't agree with you because you're allowed to wave flags in that section. But I agree I agree with you that, that uh, people in that area, they should not have their view blocked by that kind of barrier. Yeah, And I know some people will say, oh, is it, you know, that's... You should say the same about a flag, but no, a flag is different. It's something created by the fans, and it's something that that section is allowed to have. This is something that they've added, and it's people are concerned about it, and they weren't told about it ahead of time. Yeah, well, but it, but I'm sure the F, the FO will handle. Oh, it. I'm sure they're going to get a lot of complaints about it, and they'll deal I, with it right I, away I, in terms actually, of the Seattle. Actually, game. on a uh, again, uh, this is not actually the FO. This is BC Place. Well, get your jar no, ready. No, 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 BC, BC Place. <laughs> uh, when I when I walked into the stadium, our we, we, you get to know the people, right? So our guy, Joel, was just like, hey, there's a problem with one of your rows. And I'm like, oh, what's the problem? And he's like, the the met, because it's one, it's one of the drop-downs, part of the mm. drop-down. So he's like, it's kind of tilted a little bit forward. I was like, well, okay, like people are going to be standing kind of, I don't, I didn't see a problem. He's just like, if people have a problem, tell them to come see me. We're going to, we're going to. Punch him in the face? No, we're going <laughs> to. We're gonna we're gonna do something for them. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. So no one went and saw Joel, but then BC Place came down and uh, connected with everyone in that row and helped make their day a better day. <laughs> Excellent. And we'll be back chatting about what else happened in MLS this week after this. Hi, I'm Daniel Henry, and you are listening to AFTN. Everyone likes a big erection on a Sunday night. Stonehenge by Spinal Tap there. Yeah, it's their uh, 35th anniversary of their movie being released this weekend. That's another movie I've never seen. Really? Oh, you know yeah. what? I've never watched it, but I own it on DVD. It's really funny. It's, it's a good still on the wrapping. Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a mock, it's a basically a mockumentary. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why I've never seen it. It seems like right up we my should, street. But. We should get together and watch it in Home Alone. Yeah. All five of the home loans. And the, the Warriors, because you hadn't seen them. Oh, yes. I must uh, uh, so also a couple more anniversaries. 20th anniversary of Lock, Stock, and Smoking Barrels. Oh, oh two Smoking Barrels, was it? Oh, not? two Smoking Barrels. Yeah, right. Vinnie Jones is in that. Yeah. 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 Uh, Football thir- connection in it. It was emotional. 
And then, He's got a tattoo from the film that says it was emotional. 40 years ago, uh, in 1979, uh, Norma Ray, by uh, starring Sally Field. Oh, it's a it's a story. It's a, it's basically. I like uh, Sally Field. It was a uh, movie about a union formation in in the Deep South. She was good in the Smoking the Bandit films. Number one song this week, back in 1979. Do you think I'm sexy by Rod Stewart? Fellow Scott. I I do, Steve. Well, you say Fellow Scott. <laughs> He's a wannabe Scott. Oh, is he? He wasn't born in Scotland. Oh, but he sports Rangers. He sports Celtic. Celtic. Oh, does he? Oh, sorry, I got that wrong. <laughs> oh, Don't you remember when Celtic Bang beat Barcelona? Bang goes us getting Rod Stewart on the show. <laughs> the, the best... One of those glass weegeeds. The best thing you'll ever see from Rod Stewart is when he is doing the Scottish Cup draw either last season or the season before and he is drunk. Oh, really? As he is pulling the balls out. And he's like pulling them out and going... Number 13 East Five. It's like hilarious You really should try and see that on YouTube He is absolutely hammered Anyway We're back on the AFT and Soccer Show On CITR Radio So I've had a lot of chat about Whitecaps Minnesota I think we need to move on from Yes, that let's go Let's look at what else happened in MLS this week It's our first MLS week of in review of 2019 Taking the Whitecaps out of it, how excited are you for this season? No, uh, I don't. I'll probably, I, I, <laughs> that I, excited? No, I didn't. Uh, sorry, I was a busy weekend. I didn't watch any games. I was, no, uh, yeah, I'm excited for the Canadian Premier League, so my MLS excitement I, I, has, has waned. I actually thought you could say that. But I've been obviously been following stuff. There was 10 MLS games on Saturday. 36 goals. Only two home teams won on Saturday. That was kind of made up for today, but I'm, I'm sticking with my Saturday stats. That was LA and Seattle. Five draws from those 10 games on Saturday. TFC and Seattle, sadly, the, the biggest win- winners. I nearly said winners there, but it's just c- correct as well. TFC kicked off this year's whole MLS season. Their first match, 3-1 win over Philly. Thanks to a brace from Michael Bradley, which I'm not sure if he'd been keeping these the last couple of years. He usually doesn't go that far forward. No. Yeah. He was getting a lot goal. of abuse from the fans as well. That was great to hear. Yeah, uh, at some point in this year, someone's going to throw a bottle at that th- big bald head of his. They won 3-1, three, three, and yet they also, I think it was Osario, got stopped on a penalty. Yeah, that was a horrific yeah. penalty. Let's hope he doesn't take any for Canada. Late Secura from Nick DeLeon. I, I, you still don't know what TFC is going to be like. They were really bad... In the Champions League games. That's that's an understatement. Philly, though, I mean, they had some big additions this year. They're one of the teams this weekend, though, that you feel, again, using the chemistry word and understanding, if maybe use that as a word, they could be exciting, yeah. but they didn't seem like they'd fully gelled yet. Yeah, they, they, it's true. I, I did watch a little bit of this game. It was seemed like they were off a little bit, mm. and they're not connecting as well. It was a big win for TFC. For sure. That might calm a few nerves out there, because I think a few people were getting a little bit kind of jittery, if you want to see. And they're very close to signing their DP. Yeah, yeah. They are going to need that. Mm-hmm. And they, I don't know if you just mentioned, they re-signed Josie for... No, I didn't mention that. Yeah, they yeah. for like three, yeah. four years or whatever. Who who cares about the East? The West is where it's at. We are the best coast, the West Coast. It's where all the drama is going to be in MLS this season, I feel. A lot of close games this weekend. I think it's going to be a season of, of close games. 
another tight season ahead. And I think the good thing from the Whitecaps' point of view is so many Western teams drop points. A lot of draws, some are playing each other, so teams got beat. So we're not too far off the pace of things. Dallas were the first team from the Western action. It's another team that you're still not exactly sure what you're going to get from them this season with all the changes that's happened. They opened with a one-all draw. At home. At home to New England. And you have to feel New England's going to be the happier of those two teams to to come away with that. A great individual goal. One of the goals of the weekend from Michael Barrios. Picked the ball up just inside the New England half. Ran in on goal. Finished beautifully. Great solo goal. But then they gave up an equaliser in the 57th minute. And then... It, it wasn't a great game. It's, it was a happy ending for New England, for sure. It certainly was. Steve. You're crafty. <laughs> Staying in Texas, the first all-Western cra- crash clash <laughs> is late of the week. So Houston and RSL playing out a 1-0 draw. As we mentioned, RSL is the team that Whitecaps got to play next week. And these are two teams that you feel are going to be battling with the Caps at the bottom end of the playoff picture. Yeah. Many are expecting RSL to, to struggle. But they but they picked up a yeah, point in Houston, good, good, which is not easy no matter how bad them on the road. No matter how bad Houston is, it's a good point to pick up. They took the lead five minutes before half time from Albert Ruznak. Then Myra Manatas earned a point for Houston two minutes past the, the hour mark. Nice finish. Yeah. Matias Vera got the first red card of the season for a second yellow in the eighty first minute. Being a man down though certainly didn't stop Colorado. No, and it was a great 3-3 draw against Portland. For me, it was one of the matches of the weekend, yeah. but then tonight's game between LAFC and Kansas City was a, a good contender for that as yeah. well. But Colorado, I I still fancy them. They're my dark horses. I think they're going to be the surprise package and get sixth or seventh. Zach's shaking his head. I, no, I agree with you. They could be a surprise team, totally. I, I also think we might regret letting Kai Kamara go. But oh. We'll see. I mean, he showed he, that He doesn't right fit the system. Although he had fitted in yesterday with the long balls getting punted up. No, but I, I disagree. I think Kai Kamara could fit any system, personally. Yes. Like, he, he gives effort up the pitch. Yeah. He used to be a wide player in a 4-3-3 at, at uh, I know he's younger, but at Kansas City. Got off the mark, his first goal in Burgundy, 16th minute. Kellen Acosta It was a, It was a snow game. There was an orange ball and everything. It was like a football purist's dream. In one sense, on another sense, I am getting sick of games being played in those conditions. Yeah, it's fun to watch, but it, it makes a mockery of the game. And elsewhere in the world, a pitch like that, the game would not go ahead. You have to feel if... if the, one, the only thing about it, I'll say, is that if it was in those conditions that the match started, yeah, I don't know that it would have been played. But because yeah, it started it, 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 and it yeah. was kind of felt normal-ish. And I have been at one East 5 game where that was the case, where by the last 10 minutes the pitch was basically unplayable, but they'd gone that far, they, they kept going. Yeah. But it was the coldest game in MLS history. Temperatures minus 8 degrees Celsius at kickoff. Yeah, and I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit, but that's pretty cool. 18. Yeah. 18 Fahrenheit. But yeah, Kamara got Colorado off and running 16 minutes in. Then... Schober got sent off for a handball that was reviewed on VAR, which which got the red card. The pride of Thunder Thunder Bay. Yeah. Yep. Tim Howard. He actually Tim Howard, for all the criticism it's we've given, save. he was excellent in this match. Yep. He had a couple of big saves. Including Fantastic the penalty, penalty save. Yep. But the rebound fell to Valeri who who tucked it away. Then Blanco made it two two one in first half stoppage time. And you thought, well, that's it for the Rapids. But no. 
just after the restart. Benny Fowlhaber. Minute in. But then, Whitecaps connections galore in Colorado, as we know. <laughs> Declan win, an own OG. goal. 66th minute. But, again, you thought that was it. Portland were going to take the three points. But full credit to Colorado. Four minutes into stoppage time, rookie Andre Shineashiki from the University of Denver Local put away boy. the equaliser. Mm-hmm. What a game. And like the 12 people in the stadium went crazy. Yeah. It would be kind of fun to be at a game like that, but I still think it makes a bit of a mockery of it. Now, LA Galaxy. They, it, I'm expecting them to be a much better side than we've had for the last two years. And if they don't make the playoffs this season, I'll be stunned. I see them as a top four finisher. They looked like they could be that at times in their 2-1 win over Chicago. But they, they, they were made to work for it. It wasn't smooth sailing. And it was a goal his first half, and then Chicago actually took the lead four minutes into the second from CJ Sapong. What a horrendous back pass from Polenta. Yeah. So their defense is maybe not totally set. It's a, a team like Minnesota. They've got an exciting attack, but they've got a little bit of dodgy de- defensive stuff going on. A little bit. <laughs> it's the first game. I'm, I'm being a little bit generous. But Daniel Steris and then Zlatan, who else? 10 minutes to go, got the points for them. But all the attention, and actually, rightly so, so yeah. I've got to say, 16-year-old, homegrown product, Efrain Alvarez, he got an assist in the first LA goal, had a hand in Zlatan's match winner, on the pitch for 30 minutes, looked apart, really looked an MS, MLS quality player. Is a new star born in LA? Is he going to be your poster boy? Or is he going to be... A guy that goes away in two years like Alfonso over to Europe. Now, uh, Sunday morning I woke up and I was looking at Twitter uh, while I was getting ready. And I was obviously not fully awake because I saw a great debut for uh, Elliot Galaxy Efren. I thought it said Juarez, <laughs> but then I realized it said Alvarez. But the, no, but I saw the highlights. He he did he played like yeah. if if that if those two were basically a compilation of what everything else he did on the pitch. A great debut for him. I mean, what. For a 16-year-old kid to be on the pitch playing with Latin, I mean, that's just phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, what that what that must do for you. And there was a consolation kind of man-of-the-match performance, right? David David Osted? Oh, yes. He made some massive saves. Osted did really well. He, he looked good. A couple of big saves, one from Zlatan. And I, th- I think Chicago's going to be a much better fit for Osted than D.C., it, it just already feels that way for him. While we're talking about the Galaxy, though, some thoughts on them having to buy out Giovanni De Santos. Kevin Baxter, who's an LA Times reporter down there, had reported earlier in the day that it looked like a deal was going to get done to renegotiate his contract, which was going to be shocking. And I was going to tweet out, have some balls, MLS, have some balls. But it turns out they did have some balls and they didn't let the Galaxy get away with it and they've had to buy him out. And it's crazy. It's not often I say this about MLS, but well done. Standing your ground and making that happen. But it's still crazy that they had to buy him out. This is probably not the right time to ask this, but I forgot to ask. Uh, Vancouver's Colombian. He's a designated player, right? It looks like it because I haven't said he isn't. So it looks like he will be designated player. They can buy him down in the summer window. If they have a yeah. new DP coming in, but only if they have a new DP coming in. And so the, it makes sense to keep him as a DP. And the best like, thing is, if they do buy him down, it doesn't cost as much time in the summer 
to buy him down yeah. as well because it's half a year. Yeah. Let's make yeah. a play for Giovanni De Santos. No, Actually, no, let's no. I don't think we'll have that many jerseys sold up here. He's, he was a big disappointment. I don't even know why they wanted to keep him. I, honestly, I didn't think he was good at all. I honestly, if, if they if they were in an issue, I wouldn't mind the Whitecaps picking up Romaine. Mm. Because oh, yeah. I think he would have been nice on the wing, but I don't oh. think they were willing to give him yeah. up either. Tip of the iceberg, I don't Steve, think he iceberg. I don't think he would have come here either. Yeah. <laughs> new season, new coach. Same son, has he? That's the question many are waiting to have answered. And... They went down to a 2-1 loss at home to Montreal, of all people. Ericsson's goal is nice to start the game. Yeah, it's not going to alleviate some concerns in the in the Quakes fan base that they haven't added properly to the team. And when you see that Wando was starting up front for them, that's a, that was a surprise because yeah. one of the first things I checked was, oh, I wonder if Wando got on and got some minutes. Oh, he started up top. There, there's a, lots of minutes. a little bit of a surprise. Last game on Saturday that we're going to talk about, Leonardo Bertoni. Why will he be the quiz question answer in years to come? Scored the first goal for Cincinnati FC in MLS. Correct. Then it all went downhill. <laughs> 30 minutes in. Great strike. Long long range strike. It looked great. It's like, oh, are Whitecaps 2 going to pull off a, a surprise result and shock the Sounders? No. He did get a nice couple of face slaps from Kendall, though, for the goal. <laughs> two or three. Which I'm not sure if they know that that's what he does, but they do now. <laughs> it looked painful, I've got to say that. If he comes back here next season, we have to get for our pulled off at halftime videos him slapping you in the face. One of us. <laughs> Steve's not really listening, so let's go with Steve. Sure. Um, yeah, Seattle stormed back in this one. Kevin Leardam, then a brace from the returning Jordan Morris, who I hate to say. He looks good. Yeah. He looks like he's going to be a big, big player for Seattle this year. And I was Ra- kind of hoping he wasn't going to, but... And Raul Ruiz Diaz. Yeah. What Vancouver could do with a yeah. striker like Raul Ruiz Diaz? A good DP. Not saying that our young DPs aren't going to be good, but yeah, Ruiz Diaz certainly looks the part. He hit the fourth with three minutes to go, which was maybe a little bit harsh scoreline in the in the end for for Cincinnati, but... And on, if you're on Caps Watch, Kendall started. Manny and Mattix came off the Subs, bench. Yeah. Alan Koch and Pamaduka obviously on the sidelines. Alan Koch, we're going to play a little bit of audio because I know a lot of folk paying a lot of attention to Cincinnati this season because of the White Cats connections. And yeah, we love Alan on this show. Here's what he had to say after the game. Uh, I think the game was as difficult as we knew it would be. Uh, I don't think uh, Seattle were higher or lower than any level we thought they would be at. Uh, we thought they'd be at a high level, and they were at a very, very high level. And uh, we knew it would be a tough place to come play, and it was a tough place to come play. Um, I was pleased to see the positives. Uh, I think when our players were calm and confident and we possessed the ball, I thought we looked very, very good. Um, but those were only short little spurts during the course of the game. I think at times we gave the ball away way too easily, uh, and that's what allowed Seattle to punish us a few times. So the positives are when we're calm and composed and we take care of the ball, we look like a very, very good team. Uh, we've also got to stretch those moments and make them longer. Uh, but if you make mistakes and you give the ball away to a team as quality as Seattle, they're going to hit you, obviously. Uh, and that's how you respond to those situations. So uh, a good positive start to go goal up. Uh, it's almost the worst possible thing sometimes you can do in a game is to score on the road too early uh, against a good team because obviously they, they came to life and they kept on coming at us. Uh, I thought the second half was better than that we managed the game. 
well. Uh, I was just disappointed to concede the, the goal at the end because it would be nice to have got uh, a shout-out from the second 45 minutes. The game's different. Both 45s are completely different. Uh, you start the first at 0-0, so how you approach that game is different for us and for Seattle. Uh, when they're 3-1 up at halftime, they're going to play in a different way than two. So uh, the game became different from that perspective. But... Uh, I thought at times our defensive shape was good and at other times we, we weren't very good defensively and that's how they were able to un, unbalance us uh, and create chances and they obviously capitalised on those chances too. Cincinnati head coach Alan Koch there after their 4-1 loss in Seattle. He's the gaffer. <laughs> you can't try it on with him. Yeah, not overly happy as you'd understand. Two games today, Atlanta got beat by DC United. That was, wasn't a bad game. Then the weekend wrapped up with another one of the potential games of the weekend, LAFC and Kansas City. I really enjoyed this one because my wife's sickening in bed at the moment with her mild concussion. I got to, to watch this without feeling guilty today. Um, really enjoyed it. Casey took the lead. Christian Nemeth put away Johnny Russell Cross. Diego Rossi, two minutes in at the second half, tied it up. Diamandi at the death, won it for LA. After KC had gone down to ten, 10 men, men from Roger Espinosa. One thing, just one thing about that winning goal, like you said, so you saw right. Mm. I think Amelia should have that. Like I know it's a powerful oh, shot. Yes, but the, the, he yeah. should have. He was. I think he was half leaning a bit, and then I know it was hard, but I felt that was poor. Yeah, it was. One thing I was wondering about this weekend: there was forty-nine yellow cards and three red cards shown from the twelve matches. That seems excessive, and I'm wondering, we've seen this before, if the MLS refs have had a an early, oh, you need to kind of... Well, they do every year, though. They, they Every year, they come out like crazy because they're coming out of their meetings with their bosses, and they're reminded this is this and this is that, and so it feels like every year they're tight at the beginning. Mm. We'll see. One tweet I want to, to read that we had this evening from Derek Constantino. He said he's just finished watching the LAFC Kansas City game in DAZN. And it's everything that the Whitecaps are not and have never been. Mm. High press, attacking football with the ball pinging around. Massive, massive gulf in class between us and these organisations. And he's feeling totally bummed out. And I've got to say, it does feel sometimes when you're watching some of these games, it does feel the Caps are in a different league. I think that's fair. Not in a good way. Anyway, that is it for our MLS review of the week. We're not going to do as long MLS you- weeks in review as, as the season goes on, just because it was, it was first time. And we'll be back with our final part, a little bit of CPL chat, after this. Hi, I'm Kakuda Mane. You're listening to AFTN Soccer Show. Welcome back. You're listening to the AFTN Soccer Show on CITR Radio, 101.9 FM, part of CITR Radio's fun drive this week. You can make donations online at citr.ca backslash donate. So moving into the final part of tonight's show. Yeah, normally we only go two hours, but I think we should extend it another half hour for the fun drive. Yes, (laughs) mainly because we've got so much more still to talk about. So in this part, we are going to talk CPL. And we're going to talk about one of the, the big stories that's been out this week in the local football world um, involving the blog post and the allegations contained in it from Ciara McCormick. We'll start off with the CPL chat. 
Now, the full schedule came out this week. Split season, as was widely rumoured and expected. 14 games each season. Part 1 running from April 27th to July 1st. And part 2 running up until October 19th. You're going to have spring and fall champions meeting for the championship game, which I haven't been able to find anywhere if it's one or two legs. My understanding is it's two. I thought it was two, but I haven't actually seen that in black and white. Thoughts on the split season? I'm not a big, big fan of that, but... Whenever it's not a true split, it's not fair. It's not not meaningful in my... It's like, it's almost, in a different way, uh, a negative... Like, I don't like it because it's not balanced. In the same way that I don't like MLS, that it's not balanced. And I know MLS travel size, blah, 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 whatever. But, uh... I don't. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't. I don't mind aperture closer. I don't mind opener, opening half, closing half, spring, fall, whatever. That's I. I could. Li- I can live with that. Um, but I do not like the fact that they're in balance. That's obviously augmented by the fact of what they've. This whole way that the CSA has rigged the qualifying for the Champions League and stuff. When you <laughs> clearly could have done done your scheduling around that and made it open yes. to all the teams. So absolutely. Well, it was also nice the winner of the overall championships gets to wear a gold patch as overall champions. Only Edmonton, Valor and Forge do qualify to get the gold patch. If one of the other four teams win it, it's a pyrite patch that, that they're going to have to wear. But five Alberta derbies in the schedule, as well as five of the 905 derbies as well. Now, we all know why. It's the number of teams. Yeah, It feels like overkill. It feels that it's sucking... The uniqueness out of the occasion, the speciality out of the occasion, and I just feel if you have way too many of these games, they just become meaningless, and derbies don't hold what derbies should in in a case like that. In 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 theory, in principle, I agree with you, Michael. However, because there's only seven teams, and because this is just getting started, I don't think it's bad to have so many of these key quote unquote rivalries happen. Um, like think about it. Think from your own experience in Vancouver, Michael. Uh, I didn't, and because the, I think this might be the only year where there's, let's say five. Like next year, will probably be f- four at the maximum. Like it'll go down hopefully as the league expands, right? To let's hope it gets to like sixteen, eighteen teams in the long run, and then you'll have two every year. But uh, I don't know if you remember the days <laughs> when Vancouver used to play Montreal. Like there were some mm, seasons I think it was yeah. eight, eight or nine times yes. in, in a season because of. The Voyagers Cup and playoffs. Yeah. And I've had that in Scotland right. when we played teams four times in the league. Often you'd get and them in the league and cup replays. Yeah. And my, so my recollection of that in the USL with Vancouver and, and Montreal, the first time or so it happened, like it it made me not like Montreal more <laughs> and quickly. You know what I mean? So I think like it helped build the, the rivalry between the, 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 the teams, between the clubs, between the supporters. So I think that could have that effect. But you're right. The opposite thing would be like, we were playing these guys again. I don't, like, I don't really care about this anymore. So I hope it's the former and not the latter. Yeah. CPL, they've also trademarked the Al Classico name. What's your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I don't think that's great. Uh, the, my biggest problem with that is that they didn't talk to the guys yeah. for the guys I from saw, Alberta. I saw and retweeted but, his yeah. thread about it. So, yeah, Toby and um, Dallas and, you know, those guys, they, they, they're they fine with it. So that's, I think, the most important thing. But in general, I have, well, I'm, I have a problem with Jay Ball in Edmonton because I know he's probably at least behind this. 
and he should know better. Hmm. Now, you went out on the show last week, Zach. We talked a little bit about this. The The fixtures for all teams' home openers were announced. Yeah. So the opening weekend, only four of the teams are in action, I can't which is baffling to me. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think you both said it, Steve. I think you said it should be like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Yeah. Whatever. I agree with you guys. I don't know the reasons for that. I assume stadium availability, whatever is, is has maybe played. weather, maybe, but definitely stadium availability. I think plays a role in that. But you, I agree with you. It, it feels like a bit of a missed opportunity, and also the fact which this happens in every league. But the fact that when you look at that, that when those home openers came out, it was like they're so spread out, right? There's some teams. It's like is it like a month later, like almost something like that. It yeah, seems which like, yeah. when you're not building, a, I guess some of them are kind of doing stadium stuff. It just felt. I think Edmonton was one of them. I think it was like. Other than weather, like I, I still think I still feel like uh, that this season is going to be a dress rehearsal. That's that's what it feels yeah. like. It feels like a dress rehearsal for next year. I feel like next year is actually the uh, actual opening I, of I, the thing. You know what? And I think it's okay for you to feel like this yeah. is a soft opening, Steve. Yeah. But for these clubs in the league, they cannot treat it that way. No. no. Oh no, no, no. No, they no, can't no. treat it that way. But we should kind of look at it that way because it seems like everything's kind of going on the fly. And I think right you now. partially feel that way, Steve, because you live in the Fraser Valley and yeah. you hope that there's a Fraser Valley club. Yes. Next year. <laughs> I hope there's one in East Van. There's a, a lot of players added to rosters this week. Not going to go through them. We'll maybe cover that next week. But a lot of, of well-known unknown faces in amongst those. We want to move on now just to, to wrap the show up with what was perhaps, for many people, one of the biggest stories to, to come out this week. Especially in, in, locally. Yeah, local soccer yeah. circles. Now, most people will hopefully have seen this. We know this podcast has a wide reach, so there's folk all, all over the world that, that listen to it. But a former Whitecaps women's player... Irish international. She's also kind of been involved in Canadian national team she was, setup yeah. as well. Yeah, she could have played for either. Yes, Ciara McCormick. She's written blogs for years on a number of subjects, women's game and, and stuff like that. She's written a lot about this before, and it didn't really get any traction. Then, for whatever reason, this week she republished stuff on Monday, and it finally started to get traction. And what the blog posts were about was just abuse, unfair practices, and a lot of things in between from her times at the Whitecaps. Stuff that she's seen, stuff that's been relayed to her by other players, not just from one coach either, a couple of coaches during during that. She talked about how she had brought concerns to the Whitecaps front office and felt that they hadn't fully been dealt with in, in an appropriate way. She made allegations that trust and confidences were broken, um, that things weren't dealt with properly. The coach involved was ultimately, it was a mutual termination with the Whitecaps. He was then allowed to, to move on and train and coach elsewhere. With the Whitecaps and uh, the U20 Canadian national yes. team as well. Then the second coach that's mentioned in in some of the the allegations, he was also let go by the Whitecaps, and he's continued to to coach in the women's game elsewhere down the States. There was a lot of things that that came out with it, and I do wonder why it's been picked up again now. It's good that it has been. Mainstream media has picked it up. I do wonder if it's on the back of the the excellent CBC article. It is is a follow-up of that, but also I think there's a little bit more detail involved this time yes. there, there, there was kind of 
and, and obviously she she and the reason why I think she went into more detail this time because they found out that this guy is coaching again and that he's coaching uh, girls U eighteen yes U seventeen U seventeen yeah at, 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 they actually at, also they just won a provincial title last year yeah at, at, at Coastal FC yes. I don't think you mentioned that or not and I think that's why they went into more detail and even. I th- not not uh, Sierra, but another player who was involved at that time went to that club and said, "Why is this guy coaching women? Didn't you hear about what happened back then?" And the response was, "Oh, this is a different age group." Yes, and that's essentially what. This is why she went into more detail. This is why, she, and when when you have more information, that's where people will pay more attention. Unfortunately, like when it's kind of vague, it's hard to put you know pieces together and trying to you know piece together when you get into more information you're able to see oh this is this and this and that i i was shocked by like the, some of the stuff that came out it was pretty surprising it's absolutely horrific yeah the, it's it's not, the details not, in it. some of it might not be criminal but it's definitely at, at least creepy and 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 yeah and it's well, hard it's not us for us to judge whether it's criminal but it should i felt it should have been investigated more that is the thing there's never been any criminal charges brought against either coach and yeah. there's one coach in, in particular who Sarah refers to in the piece as Coach Billy. It's very easy to work out who it is. People have wondered why a lot of folk aren't naming him. It is because he hasn't been charged with anything. And at this stage, it's allegations. And you are allowed full recourse in Canada. It's like you're innocent until proven guilty. And I'm not defending him in any means, shape or form. That's why people aren't naming him. Because if this went to the courts and then he's found innocent, he can go after people that's that, that's, that's mentioned them that's in the name yeah. yeah, he yeah he can. And so I was talking to one person about this who said, "Yeah, Sierra is it Sierra? Is that- I think it's Sierra. Okay, so she has opened herself obviously to a defamation suit, even though yes. she hasn't used his name. However, I think one of the reasons why she's was willing to risk that to put her herself out there, yeah. in a sense." Uh, and to put this information out there, obviously, is because she feels that if it did end up going court, down, yeah, going she that could, route, she could bring up all the stuff well, and, well, and that'll come into it. So it's very unlikely that that person sues even. Well, it's more important. It's more important than not just her word. Yeah, that she, I think she feels or knows that other people will, will come, come forward and yes. say, "I agree with her. I can corroborate this. I yeah. can corroborate that." Because I don't see her doing this. Without having some confidence in that, uh, and, and maybe that, maybe she would just to, to and, take, like she said to get this off her the weight off of her. But. And this would also open up all that internal investigation that the Whitecaps did at that time. They'll have yes. to release their papers and information. Well, all the, the stuff that the the national team did. The did problem with a lot of it is non disclosure agreements have been signed. Yes, and I don't know how they then because, hold up. But, and but, if, but if but if but if this person brings it to court, it might open it up yes, for that. Yes, so I, I'm not co- a lawyer. If the coach brought it, then yeah. I think you might be able to to get around that. There's some. There's been some good discussion on this in the Take the Piss forum, and there is a lawyer that's been posting in it. So I, I recommend folk maybe go and read that. Yeah. And he's been a lawyer in soccer circles and with soccer players, so he he knows a bit of this stuff. Now, three of the big parties involved in this, BC Soccer, the Whitecaps, and Coastal FC, have all issued statements this week. Canada uh, soccer hasn't yet. Not yet. I no. think they will, But though. they did remove the coach's profile yes, from their website. <laughs> The very next day. Yeah. I think you'll see some of these. Well, the BC the BC soccer statement was far superior to the Whitecaps. Yes. One, one thing I want to mention, like I said, like 
there's underage kids like involved. In the, it yes. feel like they're and, they, and people say, oh no, but some people might say it's a U twenty team, right? That those are uh, uh, classified as adults. But I looked back at the U twenty team that was in two thousand eight, and there were six eighteen year olds, five seventeen year olds, and one sixteen year old. Now you remember when they're training for that tournament. Yeah. They're training for a couple of years in advance, mm. right? They're they're always yeah. like bringing and they're bringing other young kids that maybe weren't on that didn't make the yeah. team, but they were still training with. Just them. like look at Jordan Hutama, who's yeah. Yeah. obviously involved so in the older. You age can't age. say just because it's a U twenty team that it's it was, there was no minors involved. There yeah. had to be some minors involved somewhere in there. The, the White Cap statement. I'll quickly go through it for anyone that hasn't seen or read it. They said the well-being of our staff and athletes is of paramount importance. As a club, we hold ourselves accountable to a respectful workplace policy of the high standard and expect the same from every member of the club. This policy includes access to an independent ombudsman who is available to all club staff and athletes on an anonymous basis. Additionally, all coaching staff are subject to criminal record checks. Coaches and players participating in full-time programmes receive specialised respectful workplace training. Our respective leagues also provide training and support services with respect to any workplace standards. Any matter arising which may be in contravention of our policy goes through a rigorous assessment and where appropriate action is taken. With respect to the matters raised regarding the Whitecaps women's team in 2008, complaints regarding behaviour within the programme were brought forward to senior club management. The club immediately engaged in an independent ombudsman who is a leading expert in word workplace safety to do a thorough and impartial investigation into the complaints, which included confidential interviews with players and staff. Upon conclusion of the extensive investigation, while the ombudsperson had no recommendations for further action, the club and coach agreed to mutually part ways. Okay, so there's a, a lot that could be a said. A lot to unpack but there. A lot could be said. But one of the things is, if... It feels like some of the things, and now maybe these weren't disclosed in the, that investigation, but a number of the things in this blog post, you feel like the police should have been involved. Yes. And I'm not saying they weren't, Yeah, but it, it maybe they were, but it feels like they should have been involved. Uh, the, my, other, my other concern is in that and, story about- And sorry, and not just uh, like somebody from an organization talking to a friend who's a policeman. Yeah. Not like that. No. Not like they should have been an official thing with the police force, like itself. Because sometimes you might get confused. Oh, I talked to one of my friends who's a cop. Totally. And, uh, that doesn't work. Two uh, two other concerns that that out of out of the the statement and uh, in this. One of the things that I think w- was very concerning was. Uh, that was not related to the the issues, the the the, the allegations of sexual ha- harassment and mistreating, whatever. Those are horrendous and uh, just incredibly disturbing. Uh, one of the things that was also a, a, an issue, I think, as I as I read it, was the fact that you had players coming to feeling like they weren't being heard, or there was a obviously the the power balance. There was a problem there. Yeah. So they went above. And they asked for anonymity when they went above, yeah, and that wasn't provided. And, and in the blog, she says that was not provided, and that like that can't happen. And it, 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 like, and not just obviously when it comes to these matters, it cannot happen. But it can't happen in any other matter. No. So this is one of the things I emailed Bobby. I emailed Bobby. I said, Bob, I know you're in. A, I know you have a busy week. I know things are lots is going on in life. I said, I just want to ask you a yes or no question about this. I understand you may not be able to give me that, but. 
did you do this, Bob? I said, Bob, did you do this? Did you did you break your players' trust in you? So obviously he responded. I appreciate he responded, which was great. But he just said, look, obviously I, I'm reluctant to comment on this now because of where things are at and to get into the, in his words, he said, she said of, of all this kind of stuff that's been going on. And then he shared, reshared with me the the club statement or whatever. Or whatever. So I, I think part of this has to do with what you said about non disclosure agreements. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the things that needs to be answered. If if people so high in the organization don't have the, can't keep the trust in the organization, then things fall apart really, and, really, really quickly. And that's the reason why some of these uh, women and girls ha- are afraid to come forward because they feel like their whole career might be sidetracked. Yeah. Um, Sierra herself went to yeah. Ireland because she felt like she had no chance at the There's blocked Canadian pathways. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these players now might be involved in coaching and they're worried that it might affect... Coaching potential, yeah, potential coaching. I, I have been told that there could be further developments in this in the coming week. There might be some more people speaking out. And, and now Candace Soccer uh, the, the, has apparently a hotline, which nobody apparently knew. It wasn't yeah. advertised. We BC found out Soccer this week. basically said, oh, we just learned this week, but it's been there for a while. Yeah, so the Candace but Soccer. They, but they did literally. I talked to one of their people, yeah. and they're like, we never knew about this till now. And BC Soccer is going to be doing a, a, a third party, not an internal, yep. a third party yeah. investigation. BC into Soccer statement the, was definitely the, the Much stronger. Because they acknowledge yeah. there's problems. And, and they, and they uh, oh, We'll mention Peter Shad, who's I think part of BC Soccer. He yes. was on the their uh, the, the yeah. 10, TSN ten forty radio show, yeah. and he he mentioned that as soon as this came up, they pushed everything aside and they concentrated on that. They held an emergency board meeting. That's why they're, they decided to do this. In yeah. a, well, that's good to hear. Yeah, because like like he said, and you know, me and Zach were parents. It, it was shocking to me. I found out that that you know the the coastal. Uh, I have family members that play there. In in the where eventually they might be uh, under his tutelage, and that was shocking to me. So I, I, I that night I immediately when I found out that I immediately called my brother and let him know what was going on. Yeah, I've heard from people connected to people in Coastal who they are just up in arms yeah. about, about this. Well, the, that's one of the big questions. What did Coastal know? Well, they're saying that they didn't get any information. They uh, they they were apparently. Uh, I think the Whitecaps or somebody in the Whitecaps said that we that nobody asked for any information, which is understandable like in one sense. But when when I go I've, again, I've gone back and talked to a number of people, and they said when this happened in two thousand eight, people in the soccer community knew. You don't lose your job at the Whitecaps and, and the national yeah. team just U20, before, right before the U20 tournament. No, it was and, uh, before the World Cup. Yeah, the U20 yeah. World Cup tournament. Yeah, yeah. yeah, And the assistant coach on the national team, you don't lose that, in that especially in that, that moment, for no reason. And my, my understanding from, again, this is just people I've talked to who I trust, have said everyone knew that something was not well. Uh, but no one and well no i've i've heard, i've also heard from some people that the, the, there were some people on the board that were against his hiring oh in coastal yes at oh, coastal. I, I don't know anything no, about yeah, that I heard but that. but here here's here's the last thing i, w- I want to say about this is with the from the white caps perspective you have 2008 you have the 2011 incident which is the that's the hotel one right yeah the 2011 incident which is a different coach people that didn't read that different coach which, potential player Ended up having to share a hotel room with the coach. Which how, she how, had travelled to be at a game that had been cancelled, and 
According to the allegations, the coach knew the game it was cancelled. Yeah, it was cancelled weeks ago or something. Didn't stop this and said again. It's an allegation. There was only one room it, that was. It, it's an allegation. Yep. That that's shocking. You yes. you as a male a male employee. I don't think you should ever do that, especially when you have the the power. Uh, especially if you've uh, not the met way, the person the before. Yeah. I mean, it, what kind of introductory meeting is so, that? So you have 2011, 2008, 2011, and then you have the residency thing, which was also in in her article. Yep. The concern about about this is that there seems to be a pattern in the Whitecaps, and this is uh, this is the pattern. Not, and I'm not accusing them of not handling the situations right. Like the, the allegations are stating that, and that very well be. And hopefully, we find out if they did, uh, as more people share and whatever, and uh, inve- investigations happen and all that kind of stuff. But it's it's not it's not just the way they handled it. It's their their desire to not let the public know. And that kind of because because they because for them the club is a business first. They are worried that they'll lose money, they'll lose face. So when but, you listen to the but, residency mom, yeah, the, like I think the police were involved in that, but the, it was oh, no, they were totally involved. Right, they went right. To court. Right, but but before that, the residency mom, the reason she spoke publicly was because it was never going to be in the public because it was minors, and she felt it was them kind of trying to keep the image of the club. Good as opposed to say, hey, we have a problem. Yeah. We need to deal with it. And the thing is, is in, the, in this day and age, corporations that get in front of these totally. things and, and and acknowledge that there's issues, they're actually uh, applauded because the, because they're saying that you know we're going to fix this. We, we found this out. This happened. It was isolate. It, they can say it's an isolated incident if they want to. It was in that residency case. Yep. And they say we're gonna fix it. We're gonna get the get help for the victim. Totally. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna we're hand over the information to the police. They're gonna deal with it, and we're that, those two the two or three players are expelled. Exactly, which is what it feels like BC Soccer is doing in this. Yeah, yeah. My big questions on it are: how much did the Whitecaps tell the other parties? Yeah, and how, how much, much did, did Canada uh, uh, Soccer know and not do anything about it? How much did the other parties ask? If they did ask, so it's all, it's all, it's all. That's actually the more he well, said, she said. Yeah. Well, the Canada, the Canada soccer was involved in that investigation in two thousand eight. Yes, it sounds like, yeah. right? Yeah, it, 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 it so had yeah. to be. So we're discussing something we don't know all the facts, and what needs to what needs to yeah. come out more is is more of the facts or more corroboration yes. of the facts. And it's it's difficult for victims to come forward for a number of reasons, and that's what maybe makes this a little bit tricky because if the people, if more people don't come forward. It is a he says, she says, and it'll soon fall back out of the news cycles pretty quickly. Yeah, and the thing if is... more folk come forward, though, it won't, and something will happen. And this is where parents have to be involved a lot. Uh, like, I tweeted this out. It, it, like, all the other stuff, you know, uh, my previous couple tweets was like, it was just really meant just the 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 work of the organizations. But the main thing is parents have to discuss with their kids. Before they get into like when you're when they're eight nine ten usually you're at the practice you're at the games you're the the you're right away the kids come off the field there's no opportunity for coaching but when they get into the older ages like eleven twelve thirteen fourteen they trust these coaches when they go on trips with these coaches and you're not there you have to let them know of the dangers out there because like we saw here sometimes the organizations aren't going to be looking out for the kids. They're looking out for the bottom line. Yeah. So you got to explain to them that if this happens, you got to come to us and we're going to trust you. It's not your fault. You're not to blame. And, and, and we, we believe you and everything like that. So it's got to be on to the parents to discuss it with the kids. I, I know this is not a parenting show, Michael, but 
And we're not trying to tell parents how to parent, right? Steve? No. But we're just giving perspectives. Yes. I think for me, just one simple thing that my mother did when I was growing up, uh, was she would just ask my sister and I, when we come back from being away at a weekend, being yeah. away doing stuff on a Friday night at friends, whatever, she would just say to us, she would just look us in the eye and say, is there anything I need to know? Yeah. And it was re- it was really helpful. Yeah. You know, and for me as a, as a kid, then the one I remember the one time where there was something I didn't want to tell her. And then I told her. And it was, a, it was a moment where I grew closer to my mom because I knew I could be open with her and, and it kind of grew our relationship. I know that's not what we're, 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 we're here to talk about, but it's going to no, be. No, it's an example of what, what, how she dealt with it, right? Yeah. Back in the, yeah. And that was a back in the day where, where it wasn't prevalent in the news cycle and everything, these kind of things happening. Now it seems like it's happening all the time. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. And I've, I've, co- I've coached in high school yeah. and like I, I couldn't imagine – I, I couldn't imagine doing that, not having the trust of my the players and yeah. their parents, and yeah, I, and I, so it's, it's obviously so sickening that these that this has happened or th- these things are yeah, going I on. Mean, another thing, though, that is important to say is it's it's not just protection of the players. Coaches need protection as well. Yes, there's a lot <clears throat> of good people that give up their time, volunteer, do stuff with kids, and stuff like this will make them think again about doing it because it's going to be like. Well, I, I'm concerned now because if someone makes an allegation, they're going to believe this right away. But here's yes, that that is fair, Michael. But here's the thing: as someone who works with minors, I work with 18 to 30 year olds. So I work with 18, uh, sorry, 12 to 30 year olds, grade six to th- to 30 year olds. When I'm working with grade six to 18 year olds, there are a number of things I have to do to to protect myself. Yeah. What you're talking about, and it's about. Where I am, who I'm with, who's there, all that yeah, kind of stuff. It's a sad part of the it, it, It's world. a sad part of the thing, but you have to do it so that when someone stands up and says something false, you can say, I can say, Steve was there with me, or Steve and Michael were there. Can you guys share? Was I, you know, yeah. what ha- did this really happen this way? Did I not, did I say something that has been misunderstood, or did I do something that was misunderstood or whatever? So, yeah, you do have to, you do, yes, you do, you, we do need volunteer coaches. We do, or we do need volunteers in the, in the, the soccer system, the soccer programs, but you also need to have policies, procedures in place that you, that will safeguard both the players and, and the, those who are serving. And paraphrasing Sierra just a little bit to wrap this up. She said she's not just here looking for a witch hunt against this coach and to get justice. She's wanting to make sure that procedures and policy is in place so that this does not happen. And the victims can have a comfortable way and an anonymous way of airing what's happened to them. Yeah, exactly. So if anything changes with this and it's that, then that's the main thing. Yeah. Well, one last thing I want to say, because I know there's been lots of people how do they process this and how are they feeling about this uh like even you know as i hang out with curva collective right we're a diverse group of people with diverse diverse worldviews and perspectives and backgrounds and feelings and whatever it's been quite a discussion <laughs> we we had we had five five people who chose not to come to the game on saturday because they're feeling so strongly about about what they know about the situation as it is right now and they and they feel that the initial responses from the Whitecaps have not been enough. Well, I mean, right right now, as things stand, and we can only base things on what Sierra's written, Whitecaps do not come off good in this. I can't say otherwise. You, now, you, I'm yeah. not saying... You're not saying the... It's, yeah. yeah. yeah you, you want to believe everything Sierra wrote, but you, you still have to have an open mind because it is still allegations at this point. I, I think it's fair to say that 
this will be helped by more facts and or corroboration of facts. Yes. And that the could happen in the next few weeks, yeah. Yep. Could be coming soon. But that is it for this slightly extended AFTN soccer show tonight. Thank you for listening. Thank you for everyone that called in and donated online during the fun drive. You still have time to do that. CITR.ca backslash donate. You can donate in that. Just collect, select AFT and Soccer Show from the drop-down menu. You can donate whatever you want. And the phone lines will be open all week too. Oh yeah, all week. So even though we're not on there, you can still call 604-822-8648. Make a donation there. Just mention AFTN. Yes. Just before we go... Let everyone know where they can find you online. You can find me on Twitter at WhitecapsBeat. For me, it's at ZacharyAM. And as I mentioned, I'm part of the Movement Curve Collective. Find us on Twitter at AFTN Canada, Instagram AFTN Soccer, YouTube AFTN Canada, and Facebook AFTN Canada. That is it for tonight's show. Thank you for listening. We will be back next Sunday at our normal time of 11 o'clock. Until then, have a great week. Take care. Mon the Caps. Going to your first match is an experience you never forget. The atmosphere of what's going on around the pitch looks beautiful and you always look and go, wow, I'd love to play here one day. If you get the bug, it's going to stay with you for life.